coming up on The Potter's Touch. He knows how you're dealing with the storm. He knows when you've had enough. He knows when you're in trouble. He knows when you need a break. He knows when you need strength. He knows when you need fortitude. He already knows. I know you think you need to get down on your knees and explain the situation and give him some orders about what he ought to do about your situation, but he is not your butler and he is not your maid. He will not take orders from you. He already knows. Hey everybody, greetings in the name of Jesus Christ, our King. I want to share this word with you today. I believe it will bless your life. It's a powerful message. So many entertainers were there that day and the power of God filled. The Spirit moved in a significant way. Many of them have said it has become their favorite message. You don't have to be in entertainment or be a CEO to need the word of the Lord. This message says, save the scraps. You might be about to discard something that God is not finished with yet. I want you to take a look at this and watch the Lord bless your life. He fed the multitude through the breaking process until all of them had been served. This is the method whereby he uses. Jesus does not feed them directly. He breaks it, gives it to the disciples, and then the disciples feed the people. You have to learn how to eat God's blessing even if he brings it at somebody else's hand. Imagine sitting there with your arms folded talking about, I'm not going to see nobody but Jesus. If Jesus doesn't bring it, I'm not eating it. It's got to be the Lord. You would have starved to death. He could have stopped seeing he knew what they had. He knew where it was. He knew how many it was. He could have stopped breaking it at the point the 5,000 were fed. But the real power of the text is not in what they ate. The real power of the text is in what they had left. He purposely designed it so that there would be leftovers. Now, a real good chef, I'm not talking about grandma, a real good chef can get a count of the guests and prepare the food in proportion to the people. God never misses. If he wanted to be precise, he could have been precise. He chose for them to have overflow. Don't let people tell you that God just wants to give you enough. His name, El Shaddai, means more than enough. Why would a God whose name means more than enough stop at enough? Why would David say, my cup runneth over? Unless you got a blind waitress 
The waitress can see when the cup is full and stops pouring in proportion to the size of the cup. But God says, when I pour you out a blessing, I am not limited to your capacity to receive what I have. I intend for you to have overflow so that your children and your children's children and your children's children So Jesus says, here's my dilemma, here's, here's my whole case this morning. Jesus says to them, when the whole event is over and everybody's about to leave, Jesus speaks to the disciples and says, gather up the scraps. And the Bible is careful to give us inventory of how much they had left. 12 baskets full left. Now that's overcooking. When you got 12 baskets full left, you didn't count right. 12 baskets full were left. And, and they loaded them on the boat to leave. Now, here's my dilemma. Why did he have them gather the scraps? And I would like to think in my mind that maybe he thought they would get hungry again. But my problem with that is, if they were scraps, fish bones, half-eaten pieces, crushed off the bread, it doesn't seem very appetizing that gathered leftovers stored in baskets could be preserved for a future meal in the presence of a God who created something out of nothing, why do we need to make these kinds of provisions for the next meal when we didn't provide the first meal? I'm trying, just, just help me, I'm trying to understand the logic of, of saving the scraps. They loaded the scraps on the boat, 12 baskets full. It had been a long day for Jesus, perhaps one of the most important days of his ministerial career because every other miracle, no matter how mighty or magnanimous it may have been, this particular miracle has distinction because this was the first time he had impacted that many people at once. 5,000 people had a piece of the miracle in their body. 5,000 people now hit the streets talking about what happened. This is not like blind Bartimaeus. This is, this, this is not like the woman with the issue of blood. This is not like Lazarus. This is not like the man in the tomb of Gadarenes where one person left screaming, come see a man. 5,000 men, not to mention the women and children, have now hit the streets talking about, let me tell you what happened at church today. He knew that once he impacted these 5,000 men plus women and children that, that the, the news would spread rapidly. And with the blessing comes the burden of being blessed. Everybody wants the more. You know, give me more fish and give me more bread. Everybody wants the light, but they can't take the heat. When you get more of one thing, 
you get more than enough. So at the end of a long day, Jesus now goes to the mountain to pray. I imagine he's saying, well, Father, I've done it now. I have set it off. 15,000 witnesses have been dispatched into every village, every town, and every city with a personal testimony, with a miracle in their belly, proof positive that I am God in the flesh. There's no turning back. He goes in the mountain to pray after putting the 12 baskets full on the boat and telling the disciples to cross to the other side. He goes on the mountain to get ready for the burden of being blessed. He spent more time preparing himself for the burden of being blessed than he did for the blessing itself. He did that just by breaking the fish and the bread. But when he saw the consequences that when you send out something, when it comes back to you, the pressure of the wave coming back is so strong. He said, I better be ready to withstand the onslaught of all that will come out of being blessed. Are you prepared for the consequences of the blessing? He goes to the mountain apart to pray and sends the disciples across on the boat. And, 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 and I'm through with the frame. Let's go to the picture. It is, he has prayed so long that the sun has gone down. The temperature has cooled. The owls have begun to cool. The birds have nests for the evening. He has prayed so long that the temperatures have dropped and the wind has begun to blow. He has prayed so long that the weather has begun to change and inclement weather has broken out in such dimensions that by the fourth watch of the night, the disciples are tossed to and fro on the boat. Jesus is on the mountain the disciples are halfway across the lake of Genesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus is on the mountain and knows that his disciples are in trouble. I want to stop for a minute and praise him. Not for his omnipresence, which means he's everywhere. Not for his omnipotence, which means he's all-powerful. But I want to praise him for something we seldom thank him for. His omniscience, science, where we get science, omni, all-knowing God. That he knows what we can't tell him. It wasn't like he was within earshot. And they screamed and he heard them. No, he's up on the mountain. They're out in the middle of the sea. And yet he knows. I want to tell you this Sunday morning that God knows. He knows where you are. He knows what's going on around you. He knows the storm that's breaking out in your life. He knows how you're dealing with the storm. He knows when you've had enough. He knows when you're in trouble. He knows when you need a break. He knows when you need strength. He knows when you need fortitude. He already knows. I know you think you need to get down on your knees and explain the situation and give him some orders about what he ought to do about your situation, but he is not your butler and he is not your maid. He will not take orders from you, he already knows.
77% of released prisoners were arrested for a new crime within five years. Through our Texas Offenders Reentry Initiative, you can help ex-offenders move beyond their past to a greater level of purpose. More than 10,000 ex-offenders have completed the Tory program and successfully transitioned back into society. I want you to visit tdjpartners.org. You can be that missing piece to help reunite families. We're going on a cruise. Join Serena on November 9th through the 16th, 2019 as we set sail from Fort Lauderdale to the Bahamas. Jamaica, the Grand Cayman Islands, and Key West. We have an itinerary filled with fun events created with you in mind. I hope we take over the entire boat. Reserve your spot today. The 2019 TD Jakes Faith and Family Caribbean Cruise. See you there. In the storm, God looks like a ghost. They feared for their lives and said, that's a ghost coming, but it was God. Sometimes the thing that you are apprehensive about coming to get you is God coming in another form. He doesn't always look like you think he ought to look. He will show up in a circumstance that you say, Lord, if that happens to me, it's going to take me under. But never be afraid of him. He comes in many forms. And the problem with the disciples is whenever Jesus showed up in another form, they didn't recognize it. And that's the problem with religion. Because religion teaches you a limited point of reference for God. And if he doesn't look like you think he ought to look, and if he doesn't dress like you think he ought to dress, and if he doesn't speak like you think he ought to speak, you will reject him and run from what you think is a ghost, not knowing that it is your answer. Touch three people and say it's not a ghost. It's not. It's not a ghost. It's not a ghost. And they, he came near them, but he didn't come to them. Because your God will never break into your calamity if he's not invited into it. Blind Bartimaeus would have never gotten healed if he didn't scream. The 10 lepers would have never been cleansed if they didn't ask. The woman with the issue of blood would have never been healed if she wasn't really to crawl over and touch the hem of his garment. Jesus coming near them without coming to them indicates our responsibility in the restorative process to become engaged. You can't just be a recipient of the blessing. You have to do something to make it happen. I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning. But God is saying, I have come as close as I am going to come. I have done as much as I'm going to do. Now the rest of it is on you. If you don't invite me into your situation, you will never see me snatch you out of a situation that you enjoy being in. And, and, and before we criticize the disciples for thinking he was a ghost, understand that this is Genasaret, 
the Sea of Genesaret, it is understandable that they would think he was a ghost. This is the same sea when they cast the demons out of Legion and the demons requested that they go into the pigs and the pigs requested that they go into the sea. This is the same sea that drowned the pigs that were possessed with the devils. And out there in the dark, they started thinking about all those pigs dying in that water. And when they saw something coming, they said, oh my God, it's a ghost. See, when you've already been through hell and back, anything coming at you threatens you all. Here it comes again. Once you have had so many bad experiences, anything that moves near you, you're so apprehensive. You already have a predisposed idea as to what's gonna happen next. If, if, if you've been abused and abused and abused, when I raise my hand, you jerk. I, I could be trying to hand you a piece of bread, you, you jerk. But God said, don't be afraid of me, fear not. I didn't, I didn't come to hurt you. I didn't come to destroy you. I didn't come to repeat what was already done in your life. I didn't come to terrorize you. In fact, I was praying on the mountain when I saw the winds gathering and the lightning flashing and the thunder rolling. I was already coming to get you out of the situation. God doesn't wait till you get in trouble to come. When he sees trouble coming, while trouble is coming this way, he's coming down this way. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. I wish I had a witness. I wish I had somebody who had had God snatch you out of trouble just in the nick of time, who had been through hell and back, and just when you thought you were going down for the last time, I wish I had a witness. And the book says, the book says that when he said, fear not, be of good cheer, it is I. The book says they didn't recognize his face. They didn't recognize his walk. They didn't recognize his demeanor. They didn't recognize his gait. They didn't recognize his acts, but they recognized his voice. He said, my sheep know my voice, and a stranger they will not follow. When he said, be of good cheer, it is I, they said, hey man, that's Jesus, that's Jesus. I can't see him, but that's Jesus. We walk not by sight, but by faith. I can't see him, but I know he is there. And so my text says that Jesus gets on the boat and then the wind ceased. Wait a minute. <laughs> then the wind ceased. This storm is not a storm at all. This storm is a teaching opportunity contrived 
in a controlled environment. He didn't rebuke the winds and the waves. When he got on the boat, the winds and the waves stepped back. They were only sent to create an environment for the disciples to have a discovery. I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but the trouble that has come in your life did not come to break you. It came to introduce you to your God in a new and a fresh way. It, it was never a storm. Sister, it was never a storm. It was a test. It was a test. Now, now I'm, I'm, I'm older than most of you are, and I'm going to date myself when I tell this, but we used to have what was called an open book test. It meant that the questions were in the book and the answers were in the back. It was designed to teach you to research so that when you could not through your own mental capacities remember the answer, you would dig to the back of the book and get the answers for the test. Suddenly I recognize this storm is just a test and the fish scraps that are on the boat that I couldn't understand why they were there in the first place, seeing as you couldn't eat them as they were scraps, now I understand that the scraps were the answer to the test. Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Because when he got on the boat, he was not disappointed that they had a storm. He was not disappointed that they were afraid. He was disappointed that they did not consider. He was disappointed that they did not consider the loaves, the lesson for the test before them was in the answer from the test behind them. I'm, 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 God never intended for you to go through something and get nothing out of it. He intended that every time you go through a test for you to come out of it with something else on your boat that you never had before so that when you run into your next test, you will say, if God did that, then he's able, <laughs> he's able, he's able to do this too. Now you gotta help me preach now. Tell three people say, have you got anything in your boat? Have you got anything? I'm out of time, I gotta stop there, but it's been such a joy to share that word with you and to extrapolate from the word of God concepts and ideas that cause us to grow and to flourish and to take a second look at maybe Bible stories that we've heard before and to get something out of them that we have not heard before. 
How do you do that? How do you take a fresh look at an old situation? I'm glad you asked me. If you will take the time and just segment just a few days and come down and let me pour into you, it will change your life as a leader, as a father, as a pastor, uh, to, to become, because sometimes when you look at old situations, all you see is old ideas. What you really want is fresh perspective. And I want to show you how to get fresh perspective out of all situations, not just text, but your situation, your circumstance, your company, your organization, your church, your ministry, your city. It's all at the International Pastors and Leadership Conference, April 25th through the 27th. And we're going to be in Tampa, Florida. Yeah, it's going to be wonderful. After the kind of winter we had, we are ready for some Tampa. Go to pastorsandleaders.org right now. Sign up right now. Get in on it. No excuses. Right now. Set aside this time. If you set aside this time, God will pour something into your life that will make it worth your while. God bless you. What do you do when you are between miracles? It might not make any sense, but whatever he tells you to do, for your gift to the ministry of any amount, you will receive Bishop Jake's empowering teaching, Hands Out to Hands Up on CD, as well as Bishop's inspirational book, Strength for Every Moment. You don't have to keep telling God the same thing. Once you speak the word, walk away. And when your gift is $90 or more, we will add the insightful four-message series Between Miracles on DVD. Every time you go through a test for you to come out of it so that when you run into your next test, you will say, if God did that. However, when your gift is $140 or more, you will also receive three books from the Immerse Reading Bible, a new way to read the greatest book of all time. God is going to birth you into another level. If in Canada, visit us online or call to order your digital downloads today. leadership can take people and make them join together and stand together and fight together and live together. With Craig Grishel. Anticipating what is ahead. What do you need to do now to prepare for what you want in the future? Dr. Anita Phillips. There's a difference between thinking and knowing. You got to talk about what you know. I know what his word says. I know his character. Miles McPherson. God is working in everybody's life. You just need to hear and pray to God show you what it might be. And CEO of the Dallas Mavericks, Cynthia Marshall. It is in us from an early age, and it's something that I look forward to. And all of my team members, you have to have integrity. Join us in Tampa, Florida on April 25th through the 27th. Learn more today by visiting us online at pastorsandleaders.org or text to register at PL now to 28950. I couldn't feel my arms anymore. I couldn't feel my legs anymore. I couldn't feel my feet anymore. I couldn't feel anything anymore. They said, can't move your finger. And I'm looking at the doctor and he's... She's not moving. I said, oh my God, I'm really paralyzed for real. This is happening to me. How do you persevere when faced with a debilitating condition? When you're, uh, when, you're in a, when you're in a wheelchair, you feel so little. When it takes all you got just to stand in the midst of pressure. I remember the rehab, she said, you want to try to stand up? I hold up this, and they're pulling me, and they say, one, two, three, and I get up, and I feel like this giant. I feel so tall. Wow, that's the first time I stood up. From that point on, I knew I could get out of this. No, this is not gonna be the end of my story. I'm gonna come up out of this. 
God will take life's pressures and turn them into power. Feel free to reach out to us on social media and share your story of how God is impacting your life. We look forward to seeing you next time on The Potter's Touch.